Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help, prayer of any kind, or if you give your life to the Lord today, send us an email at church@thecrossing.cc. We would love to hear from you so a member from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. of our folks there. Listen, I got one, let me just say this to all of you in here. Y'all forged through the rain. And seriously, I just, I so appreciate it. I, I, I thought it might be me and two or three folks the way it was raining out there. And I thought, you know what, we'll get most everybody online, but don't y'all feel terribly guilty that you didn't make your way in here, but we got a pretty full house here for the rain going on. Good morning to all of you out there. I'm pretty excited about these revival services coming up, gang. And I just want to encourage you, some of you might be wondering, what's a revival service? What does that look like? So again, as, as uh, Dr. Lenny said, at 6 o'clock we open here. And I want you to know, when you step in at 6, uh, the services, they start at 6, but there will be no entertainment, nothing driving, nothing leading. They start at 6 with prayer. And so I want you to come in, and I want us as a church to continue to grow as a church who prays as a congregation. So uh, come in, if, if, it's, if uh, corporate prayer and praying for an hour is new to you, c- come anyway, uh, sit down, you can, you'll see people wandering around, they're not really wandering around, they're praying, I'm a pacer, so you'll see people pacing, I want to encourage you, get up and move around, you may want to come and lay down, uh, you can lay down on your face before God, however you reach out to God for that first hour, uh, we're, we're, again, there won't be a lot of direction from the stage unless the Lord speaks to one of us to pray specifically a, a specific direction. Uh, at about 6.15 or so, uh, Pastor Becky's going to come out and she's going to start laying down worship and you'll feel the temperature in the room go up a couple of notches. Don't know why it is, it just is. And, uh, and uh, then a little after that, uh, Joe will come out and he'll start to worship just a little bit and you'll feel it heat up a, another notch. And basically, this is just a long runway until the worship starts at a little bit before seven. And if you're wondering what worship, I mean, what these revival nights are night, this is what it's like. And we're going to worship until we're done. And we'll be looking for God to give us some direction as to how, how we're to respond to him. But these are, these are encountering with God nights. That's what we're coming for. So I will have some direction for us, a word possibly, or, or an altar call of some sort but they're not as structured as a Sunday morning. Our, our primary purpose is to say, God, this is your meeting and your service. What would you like to do? And, and the scripture tells us this. The scripture tells us in Matthew 6, uh, he already knows what you need before you pray. So pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? That means that no matter what you've been praying about, and it's good, and we should bring our request to him, it might or might not be what he already knows you need. And these Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights, we'll, we'll bring what we think we need. But here's what we're saying. God, you already know what we need. Would you do that? Do that. And we're in agreement with you. <laughs> Since you already know. Doesn't that help cut your prayer down? It's just like, look, you already know. 
So whatever that is, make me aware of what you already know so I can get in sync with that and do what you know to do. So that's, that's what we're looking for, gang. And uh, it's been a good 37 days. I will tell you this, it's gone by fast. And, um, uh, and f- for me, it's gone by fast. And uh, there was a point where I was praying this last week and I was like, God, I can't believe we're already on the last week. And there was a number of things I was looking for you to get to me. I, there's some things I, that are on my list that I haven't heard. Has anybody had that experience where you're like, Lord, I, man, I set aside these 37 days to hear from you, and there's some things I hadn't got direction on. And it, it's like, you know, the Lord doesn't listen on day 38. It's like, you got 37 days, get your, get your request in or forget it. Uh, but no, he, he will be alive on God is still God on day 38. But we've set this time aside, and, and here's what the Lord said, Randy, you have not missed your appointment. You did not miss... Your appointment. Our message today is this. You have not missed your appointment. You have not missed your appointment. Here's the deal. We've got appointments that we set. Have you ever set an appointment for God and he didn't show up? That's what, that's what disappointment means. It literally means you, you had an appointment. It, it, it didn't happen. So it, it was dis, you're disappointed. I want to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, and uh, this is two of my favorite people. We're going to talk about Philip and a guy called an Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know his name. Uh, back in 2020, I preached a message where I got to know this, this situation. And again, these aren't A-listers in, in the Bible. Uh, they're, they're kind of side players, but Philip and this guy, after today, you might make them A-listers when you think about the Bible. It's not Jesus and Paul, but uh, these are game-changing people. And uh, so what's happened up here so far is, uh, of course, in chapter 2 of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit falls, 3,000 people are saved. Uh, Peter and, and uh, John raise a guy from, from being lame in chapters 3 and 4. There's more revival. Another 5,000 are added there. Uh, Peter gets put in jail. He and John come before, uh, you know, all the Sanhedrin and all that, and they're all upset. And uh, Gamaliel at some point has a brilliant, really our, our theme for our time together comes from Gamaliel, and, uh, or Gamaliel, however you want to say. He was a, a rabbi of the day, the, the, one of the, the best rabbis of the day, Paul tra- trained Paul. But uh, Gamaliel told the uh, Sanhedrin, guys, you better leave these two, two guys alone because if, if, if this is just them, it'll fizzle out. But if this is God, you can't stop it. And you just might find yourself as an enemy of God. And really, that's where the heart of this unstoppable came. It was basically, if this is God, you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Peter and John are are let loose and some good things happen. Chapters 6 and 7, there's a little dust up between the Hellenistic Jews and the, uh, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, and all that Hellenistic just means these are Jews that were raised in a Greek culture, so their first language was Greek. And so they spoke Hebrew with an accent, and uh, even though Jesus Christ had saved both of them, it still didn't fix the prejudices and the little bumps between people and how they judge one another. So the Hellenistic Jews were not getting treated well. They put up a fuss. The apostles select seven Hellenistic Jews to be deacons. Deacons doesn't mean anything except equals to the apostles in power, calling, anointing, and they took care of some administrative things. 
you would only know two of those, Stephen and Philip. Stay with me. Stephen gets martyred. Long, one of the longest sermons in Scripture. He gets martyred, and uh, the, the other Hellenistic Jews take off running because all of a sudden, Jerusalem heats up, and if you are a, a Messianic, specifically a Messianic Hellenistic Jew, the other Hebrew-speaking uh, apostles didn't leave Jerusalem yet. But these Hellenistic Jews, they take off on the run for their life. It wasn't a strategy. It wasn't a plan. It was of God. Remember when Jesus said, guys, first I'm going to make you witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria. Where we pick up is that Philip is running for his life. He goes to Samaria here in chapter 8, and uh, amazing things starts happening. The revival that uh, historians say there was already twenty to 30,000 believers in Jerusalem. That's where the cool church was. Well, he's been run out of there. He comes to Samaria with a bunch of heathen Samaritans. And, uh, but here's the thing. He starts healing people, uh, paralyzed, all kinds of miracles. Revival breaks out. He starts encountering demon-possessed people. And Philip would say, that's weird. You're possessed? I'm possessed. I'm possessed by a spirit. And here's the deal. The spirit I'm possessed with can whip the spirit you're possessed with. And he begins to cast out demons. Remember, demon possession, before Jesus, if you had a demon that just took over, do you understand? Demon possession is just a counterfeit of the spirit of God coming to come in and take possession of you. And so, uh, and if you got a demon back then, you were stuck until Jesus came. And then all of a sudden, all heaven broke loose as the Holy Spirit came upon everybody and everybody hit the field saying, demon out, demon out, demon out, whipping devils right and left. And so here's the thing. Do you know that you're possessed? Do you know if you have received Jesus Christ, yeah, you're, right. you're possessed yeah, by a spirit. Right. <laughs> and the spirit that possesses you is bigger than the spirit that possesses anybody else. And gang, a part of what these revival nights are about, I want you to hear this. I believe we all host something that's far more powerful, and we've lost our confidence in him and it. And so we don't step into situations. And a part of what this is, I remember I used to coach my son Brady, and in practice, Brady was just vicious. He was a linebacker. And uh, Brady in practice, because he was comfortable and he knew everybody, uh, man, he would light these other children of these other people up and just destroy them. It was fantastic for a father to watch. I mean, he was just great, just technique and everything, just plowed. Great. But on game day, he would get nervous and he would back it down. And I yelled at that boy. I did everything I could. I'd say, Brady, knock the fool out of that child. Hit him. Come on, Brady. And because it was game day and everybody was watching, I don't know, he just would play at about 80% of what I knew was in him. And once in a while, he would lay somebody out. But more, is this too real for you? Uh, I mean, this is football talk. And, but here's the deal. I believe that God is looking at us. He's given us his spirit. And he's going, come on. Knock the fool out of it. Come on. You've got it in you. And uh, at different seasons, we lose our confidence in what it is that we have. And so we don't spend it. And I believe these revival nights are part of God saying, you get on that field and spend it. Write the check. I got it in the bank. Let's get active. This is what's happening here. We get to Acts chapter 8. There's great revivals happening in Samaria. 
Peter and John go up there to check it out because they still got their prejudice issues about Samaritans. And all of a sudden they realize, oh my God, same Holy Spirit on us is on them. And the Holy Spirit starts to fall, all kinds of great craziness. All this is happening and you get a picture now in chapter eight. God's watching this revival going, isn't that fantastic? But watch my face. God's going like this. Awesome. And he keeps looking back because he's got his eye on somebody. Great revival happening. And let's pick up there. And are y'all with me? Acts chapter 8. Now, let me read. It says, ask for Philip. This is verse 26. Ask for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him during this great revival, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met there the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over there and walk alongside that carriage. Uh, Philip hears him reading out of Isaiah 53 and we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, But it's all about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace fell upon him. And all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone his, his, his own way. But God has laid the iniquity of us all on him. I mean, this is what he's reading and trying to make heads and tails of it. Verse 35 says, so beginning with, everybody say beginning with. Beginning with. So he's in Isaiah 53. So beginning with Isaiah 53, Philip told the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, I pray that I wouldn't do this. Lord, please, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Mark that in your mind. Some version says, what prohibits me from getting baptized? Could I be baptized? After all that you've just said, could I be one of those? You ordered the carriage to stop. They went down in the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but this eunuch, he went on his way rejoicing. This guy, this guy, over over the 2020 time when everything was shut down and I was going through Isaiah just in my private time, I ran across just, I I felt like the Holy Spirit introduced me to this this B-lister here. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, and I love this guy now. And we will see him in heaven. But who is this guy? In doing some study, in Ethiopia now, he was a slave. He was born, he would have been born into slavery. He was a eunuch, which means that as a slave, uh, at some point, these seven and eight-year-old boys would be selected by these, the royalty, to say, we want this group of boys, when they grow up, to serve women as slaves. And in order to do that, they would castrate them. And the trauma to these boys would be uh, unforgettable. And, uh, this, and I can't even tell you some of the things that I read as to how this came about. But if you can just, don't, don't even try to imagine, a seven or eight-year-old boy is taken from his family chosen and basically totally defenseless, doesn't get to make a decision, didn't volunteer for this. Number one, you're going to be a slave, born into it. Number two, 
you're going, you're chosen to be emasculated. And they did it so before they went into puberty that their voice wouldn't, wouldn't change and they would have no drive so that the women that they served would not be threatened in any way. And this is how this, is how this, this went about. So this guy that we're seeing here, he's a thousand or more miles away from Jerusalem, raised in this culture where he didn't have any say in what he was, born a slave, then chosen to be emasculated, grows up to be a man, does the very best he can uh, and makes his way up as a slave to where the queen trusted him with the treasurer, he's done, he's done as good as you can do given the cards he's got dealt. But he had grown up his whole life with something thinking, why was, why was this done to me? There are people in this room here today watching me online, those that will be in our second service. You're here today and things happened to you as a child. You were totally defenseless and it so shaped and formed you Though, yes, you've reconciled it somehow in your mind. The effects of it have never left you, and you've been left to wonder, will it ever go away? And I believe God has brought you here to say, you have not missed your appointment for healing. You've not missed your appointment. It hadn't happened yet, but God, I mean, we set appointments. But when God sets an appointment, you, you can't miss it. No, that's right. Here's this guy. He's got these, this situation he's in. He gets, somehow there's a void in his heart, and of all the gods and religions that he can pick from there in Ethiopia, he knows the God of the Hebrews. Somehow, the God, the creator of the universe, the one that you don't have to make an idol and call him God, somehow his heart was understanding I believe if I could get to that God, that God could touch this void. You know, every single human has this void. Every single human has a void. And it's crying out, I know there's something more to this. And really, the, great, the best thing that you can happen is to start kidding yourself that the stuff you're medicating with, to, to distract yourself from that feeling, to stop medicating and just say, God, where are you? This guy goes on a search uh, over a thousand miles on a, on a buckboard, six weeks minimum across a desert. And what's the scripture say? Why was he going? To worship this God. I'm on the hunt to worship this God. If there's any chance for me in this world, maybe this God, could love me. Maybe this God could do something for what's broken in my life. And six weeks every day, the caravans, the stopping, all that it takes to get there. He gets to Jerusalem and he sees the smoke coming off of the sacrifices at the temple and his heart leaps just a little bit to go. I hear God's there. God is in that room right, right, right. there. If I can just get there, and as he enters Jerusalem, immediately, all the Hebrew moms are grabbing their children, pulling them away and going, unclean, uh-huh. unclean, Gentile, Jesus. eunuch. The Levitical law uh, restricted any eunuch from entering anywhere in the temple. 
He didn't know that. He's traveled six weeks, his one and only chance of a lifetime to meet. To meet this God, maybe. And he gets there and the first thing he meets is the religiousness of people going unclean, unclean. Walking through the city, going up there. There's the Gentile bath. There's the, the right. Jew right. bath there. And as he even approaches immediately, and those of you that have visited Israel and have ever greeted some of the sweet priests that tell you what you can wear and not wear to come to the sites, they're not the sweetest things in the world. No, they're not. And they've had a little while to mellow. Here comes this African man, this Gentile, clearly a eunuch, and immediately he would have been met with these priests saying, not you, not you. You can go in, you in, not you. Keep going. Six weeks, and can somebody get me clean? Stacy, could you? I'm so sorry. Uh, thank you. Man, I so prayed, Lord, please, not today. Give me just one second. It's so challenging to, to preach this stuff. And I have to tell you, of the things I haven't gotten during my time of prayer, the thing I have gotten, I'm appreciative to it. But when I walk up here in the, in the mornings, I just, I cry. My burden for you. Man, it's just so increased. My, my craving, nearly begging God. Open their hearts that they could touch you. God, would you come and touch? Just something has increased. And my trying to grab his hand in y'all's and go, God, please. Uh, the, the intercessor has been deeply awakened to a, to a greater way. I just want you to know, you're, you're so prayed for. And uh, anyway, here comes the guy. Can't get into the temple. Can't get in. He sees the smoke. He's thinking, this is as close as I can get to the one chance I had to meet this God, and I can't get in. Gang, there are folks in this room right now that you have felt your whole life. You have watched Christianity. You've watched church. You know how to play the church thing and do the church thing, but on the inside, you feel like you're somewhere on the periphery as if somehow God's doing something in other lives, but I'm somehow not included. Gang, you have not missed your appointment with God. Here this guy traveled all this way. He's not allowed in. He does have means. And so he begins to look around. What could I possibly take back from Jerusalem? And he's able to purchase, uh, and this would have been expensive, a scroll of Isaiah written in Hebrew. Likely written in Hebrew. And so he purchases that and dejected his once-in-a-lifetime time, he starts fumbling through it as he takes off to go home, defeated and untouched. He made an appointment to meet with God, and he got to where God was supposed to meet him, and God didn't show up. I tried. And so back to his house he goes, and he's fumbling through, Isaiah, one more time, Phil, so sorry. 
fumbling through Isaiah, of all places, he gets to Isaiah 53. And with this great revival going on, although God was concerned about all the tens of thousands of people that are getting touched in Samaria, he sees one guy and he says, Philip, the evangelist, I know you're busy, but I want you to go touch this one guy. And Philip takes off on the run to touch this one, to touch this one guy. And as he approaches, he's reading, you know, he was wounded for our transgression. He's, Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I understand it unless somebody explains it to me? And so starting, remember what I said? The scripture says, starting with Isaiah 53. He jumps up on that chariot and he begins to explain it. Let's start, let's start with Isaiah 53. The verse that he was at was, uh, I'm going to read out of Acts 32, 33, because it just repeats it. In verse 32 of Acts 8, this is out of Isaiah 53, says, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now, this is what's being read about Jesus. Verse 33, In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Think about that. Here's this, this kid that had been forcibly imposed upon, humiliated, unjustly. And he hears about this savior, this person. Remember, this Jesus has been freshly killed. Jesus, this is all stirred up. And he, he thinks to himself, wait a minute, that's me. I was unjustly humiliated. You mean, you mean this guy could relate to me or possibly I could relate to him? And who, who uh, declares his generation, in other words, because he was, Jesus was taken away, there would be no other generations after him of his blood children because he would never get to be married. He would never get to have children. Who will declare his generation? This eunuch is going, hey, that's like me. He's like me. For his life was taken from him, from the earth. The eunuch begins to identify with Christ but I believe Philip keeps going. We get to Isaiah 54. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Oh, what? what? Shout for joy. I know he's talking specifically to mothers, but I've borne no children. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Wait a minute, Philip, what does that mean me? It's never meant me. Does this mean me, Isaiah 55? Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I've been thirsty all my life. I've had a void in my life, but does it mean me? Well, let's just keep on reading there. We get to Isaiah 56, and this is where I think the baptism happened. This is Randyology. But finally, we get to Isaiah 56, verse 3 says, Don't let the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, The Lord will never let me be part. And specifically, don't let the eunuchs say, I'm a dried up tree and no children and have no future. 
For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath day holy. Who choose to do what pleases me. And commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial. A name far greater than sons and daughters could ever give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It'll never disappear. I will bless those foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve me and love his name, who worship me. Why did the guy go a thousand miles? I just want to worship this God. Can you imagine what's going through this guy for the first time in his life? I will bring them to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, and fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all. Everybody say all. All all nations. One more time, Phil. This time, Philip said, my friend, 700 years ago, God saw you and wrote this to you so that this day you would make an, you would know my God had an appointment with me and I thought he missed it, but he made sure I didn't miss my appointment with him. Yeah, and I believe it was at that time that he said, What would then prohibit me? You mean I could be baptized? I could have a new family? I could have a new life? And they went by a stream or a mud hole. I don't think it really mattered. And he said, what would prohibit me? And Philip said, nothing, my friend. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God has made you a new creation. And if you want to be a part of this family and want to call something different home than where you're headed, God has a home for you and you can be baptized, buried the old and come out new. And that's exactly what they did. And the Holy Spirit, I don't know what he did. He snatched Philip out of there. It didn't matter one iota to this Ethiopian because he said, I have found, finally found what I have been hunting for all of my life. And finally, I knew there was something about this God. I tried to find him, but he, he found me, and he healed me, and he restored me. If there's a soul in this room that has been wondering, God, I don't, do you even know I exist? Jesus said it this way, my father knows every sparrow that falls to the ground. He not only knows you, he knows how many hairs are on your head. God is intimately acquainted with every single person in this room. And he has brought you here today and those of you watching to let you know you have not missed his appointment. You may have scheduled something in your mind to say, if God were going to touch me, it would be this way and on this day and at the church and this way and all that. And that's fine. We all do that. We all make plans and pray prayers and think, God, that means you're going to work it out this way. 90% of the time, maybe more, that I've done that in my mind, it does not go that way. I don't know if anyone up there has a watch or a calendar or 
when you're eternal, you don't have to keep, you don't have to have a day planner. I will tell you this. There's times when I've been so disappointed because the time that I had fixed God, will you do this by this time? The time came and the time left and I'm sitting there. And gang, here's what a part of faith is. It's not trusting the plan. It's really literally trusting a person. It's trusting him. And if you live in this Christian life for very long at all, you're gonna have a point where you reached a time where you thought, Lord, if you don't move by hand here, it's too late. And you'll get there and the time, the clock will tick and, and God will miss your appointment. And you'll be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. This is a part of what faith is. Standing under the tension in your disappointment saying, God, even though I don't understand, I still know you're faithful. This guy got to Jerusalem after working as hard as he could to try to reach God, and he was headed home disappointed in, in the result, having no idea. God hadn't missed his appointment. God had an appointed time. Habakkuk says this, write the vision, Habakkuk, make it plain. Write it down, and though the vision tarry, wait for it, because it's yet for an appointed time. What does that mean? I have set the appointment when you're going to see the result of that. It'll feel late to you. Gang, you're not overlooked. Nobody in this room is overlooked. I want to encourage you today. We're going to pray here in just a minute that if you've come here today and you feel like somehow everybody else is participating and you're on the periphery and God has not seen nor noticed you, God has brought you here today. And again, Phil, one more time. Get this out in first service, so second service, I'll do better. God wants to touch and encourage you. There's another point person that had an appointment that he didn't know about, and that's Philip. That's Philip. God, I've been pressing you for the call on my life. You know, uh, Andrew had a, the Devo this morning in 37 days. Andrew did a great job. Lord, what's the call on my life? I mean, I hear that all the time. What's the call on my life? And it's a natural thing because we're thinking, show me the details of what it is you're gonna do through my life. And a lot of times, it's, it isn't clear. I mean, we do our best to shape something and put language to it. But you know what? The, the real call on your life most of the time is trust in this moment that I know where I'm taking you and just be obedient. You may not be able to sketch out a 10-year plan and that frustrates all, all you type A's. Nonetheless, you can be right in the middle of the will of God and not have great, clean definition for it. Here's this guy in this revival, and you would think that's the right place to be because look at all these people getting saved. And God said, no, I've set out an appointment for you, and it's wonderful that the books are selling and the stadiums are filled and T-shirt sales are up and the band's just ripping it and all, Hallelujah. Somebody else can handle that. I've got my eye on this one person, and I have set an appointment, and you're going there. Gang, all we want to be doing is listening for God. What appointment have you set for me? Stacy and I, we went uh, to New Mexico in 2016. I went and found my 2016 journal because I wanted to tell this story. 
And uh, we were getting downtime. Uh, 2015 was a tough year. 2016, we drove to New Mexico, had a wonderful time. Uh, it was an okay time. Uh, we drove back and uh, stopped at South Lake at a hotel that, that we just always loved. And we were going to get the rest of our downtime there. Pastor Randy's off. It's not that I'm not spiritual. I'm off. Uh, I needed an oil change and I needed to wash my car from all the driving. So uh, I get up at the hotel the next morning and uh, I, I know South Lake pretty well. I'm out there and I had seen places. Here's all I'm looking for. Wash and lube. A wash and lube place. There's, you know, South Lake is the woodlands on steroids. So they've got them and I've seen them. So I take off to South Lake Boulevard where I knew there was one where I could get a lube and a wash. And I had Siri on because I'm trying to find, and Siri is screaming at me. Return the car around, make, make a U-turn, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, closest lube and oil. What? Make a U-turn. She keeps giving me a place that's 18 miles away. So I know, I know. And she's screaming at me. I hit road construction, come to a stop. It detours me into some godforsaken place. And the whole time, I couldn't figure out how to turn her off. She just yelling at the, make a U-turn. Da, 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 da. Finally, I'd already burned 30 or 40 minutes. So I thought, fine. So I, I let her tell me what to do. Uh, all jokes I'm holding. <laughs> so I get on 114, drive 15 miles away from my hotel. Take turn right here, turn left here, turn right here. Go 18 miles, come up this, anyway. And it put my car in, two or three guys in the little waiting room. Uh, they chit-chat, they leave, and it's, you know, there's only six chairs, a little tiny little room there, getting this all done. This woman comes in, she makes a little small talk. I said, hello, it's awkward, you know, it's a tiny little room. And uh, finally, she looks at me, and uh, we're the only two in there, and she says, can I tell you something? I said, well, yeah. Uh, she said, I just think you'll understand Okay, and man, she starts unloading. She, she had just buried her 33-year-old son. Uh, she was not necessarily a believer. She let me know quite quickly, I got God issues. And she starts walking me through this thing about how her son was in and out of detox and alcohol and uh, in and out of jail. But she says, you know, there was this Hispanic guy that came to the jail and told him about Jesus. And... Uh, then when he got sick and we were at the hospital and I never left my son's side, uh, he started coming to the hospital and my son said that he had received Jesus and that he had gotten saved and uh, this was the sweetest guy. And then there was this chaplain and she's taking me through all these details. Then there was this chaplain, he was 70-something years old. He and his wife, oh, they were so kind. They would come and talk to me. And then there was this nurse that would come and pray with us at night. And then my son started talking about feeling like he was being visited at night. And then the night that he died, she's going on and on. And at one point, she's telling me this stuff. She says, do you believe this? And here's what I said. I said, I mean, I didn't get to talk in this conversation. But I said, I said, absolutely, I believe it. And I said this, I'm a pastor. And I was going to introduce myself. She said, I know you're a pastor. I hadn't even talked in this conversation. She looked at me like, I know you're a pastor. That's why I'm telling you this. So I... I shut up. 
And she says, the night that he died, there was this marvelous presence that came into his room. And I really believe, and I'll believe this till I die, God himself came to take my son home. Do you believe that? And I began to help. She had described some of her God issues. And I gave her as quick, uh, God doesn't cause bad things to happen. I, I did all I could to work with her. But more than anything, I said, look, it is crystal clear. God didn't just come into that room to take your son home. God let you know he was there because God's actually come to you and your daughter. She had told me all kinds of things. And I, I said, you need to take great comfort that God is after you and you need to trust him. And she said, I don't know about that. I got all these God issues. I said, da, da, da. Everybody does. You need to stop and, and let. So we, we just, I, I didn't lead her to Jesus. The guy came out with the two things, uh, the, uh, gave us our bills. I went to pay my bill. I paid it. And when I turned, she should have been behind me. When I turned to finish our conversation, she was gone. I started looking all over this thing. She was gone. I couldn't find her. So I get in my car. But when I got in my car, I sensed the presence of God saying, good job. I mean, I couldn't hear the Holy Spirit, so he had to speak through Siri. Nonetheless, <laughs> my Siri's full of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about yours. <laughs> you need a word from God? Siri, you need a word from God. Gang, there are folks in this room who are wondering, God, are you ever going to use me? Here's the great thing. When God sets an appointment on your life, he won't let you miss it. He will not let you miss it. If anybody here is crying, there's no way the God that I know, if somebody here is saying, God, what's your will for my life? There's no way in this world the God I know won't meet you and say, he may not explain it to you. You know, a lot of times we're looking for an explanation as to what the will of God is while we're doing the will of God. Sometimes you can't always explain what it is you're called to do, and it doesn't need a, a specific slot. It's just obeying on Monday, and then on Tuesday, do that again, and on Wednesday, do that again. And sometimes it's just that simple. I'd like our prayer teams to come to the front, like everybody to bow your heads. And one, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are brooding over this group right here and there's reasons that you've brought everybody here. And Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for anybody here that you've brought that does not know you as Savior, anybody watching us online, you have made an appointment this day with them. It is not an accident that they're listening and hearing this. So wherever you're at, you simply say this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you, but I have this void in my heart and I know you're the way. Would you please forgive me? Would you save me? Is there anything hindering me from getting saved? I confess my sin. Would you save me? You call out to God the way you call out. Just talk to him like a friend, but let him know, I wanna be saved, I wanna be included. He will begin to work in your life. If you confess Jesus, you say something like this. I believe Jesus is the son of God. 
and that he died for me so that my sin could be paid for and that he rose again and I receive Jesus as my savior and I receive you as my God and my Lord and I surrender to you. If that's you right there, right as you're saying it, say it the way you would say it. God is saving you. God is saving you. He made that appointment with you. Just a moment when I give you the opportunity to come be prayed for. If that was you, come let somebody pray with you and pray for you. In this room as well, there are men and women who had things imposed upon you as a child that even though you've maybe you've forgiven, maybe you haven't, or maybe it's not even about that, the, the pain and the shaping and the forming of it, though, are still affecting you. Maybe it was an overbearing mother or father. Maybe it was sexual abuse. Maybe it was verbal abuse. I don't have to describe it. You already know. If, if you want, and I believe you do, if you want to be healed of that today, you want to be touched, you want to receive something of the Spirit to push against that forming, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and come and let somebody pray for you. Anybody abused in childhood or had something imposed upon you that is still, it's still having an effect on you. God has set an appointment for you today. Even right now while we're still praying, you can stand up and come let somebody pray for you. If you're here today struggling with God, have you forgotten about the call on my life? I'm still unclear and I don't know. Lord, don't forget about me. God brought you here to let you know. Absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. You can stand to your feet and you come up and you get prayed for. Father, I thank you that right now, Lord, right now you are ministering. I just see throughout the congregation, I just have this picture of different men and women and it's as if you're in a bear trap. Like you're stuck you got a short chain. You can't really move around like you would like. Something has got you trapped. Something. I believe God today wants to break the power of things that are binding and holding you. If that describes you, stand up on your feet. Don't worry about what anybody's thinking. Come get your freedom. Come get it. Come get it. Stand on your feet. Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Entire congregation, if you would, stand to your feet. I'm going to dismiss, but somebody here needs to come get your freedom. Come get your freedom. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, God, for this precious people, Lord, and the great work that you're doing in the hearts of men and women. Lord, I thank you that you're here, that you've set an appointment today. You've set an appointment. Don't miss your appointment today now, gang. God has set an appointment to set you free. Lord, I speak freedom over this congregation. And I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are working, moving in places and ways and in languages and in speaking to us in ways we can get. That's me, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're at work. I bless you and I honor you and I thank you, God, and I bless this people. Lord, as we dismiss this time right now, I speak your blessing and your favor over these precious people. And I thank you, God, that you're at work in them. Lord, I pray over these revival nights. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do. 
in our revival services. Holy Spirit, please, everything, everything you want to do, be free to do it. Bless this people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to pray up here. If you'd like prayer, make your way this direction. You guys know how to, how to give in your tithe and your offering. If you're new to us, you can see the boxes back there is one of the ways that we give. You guys be blessed, and we will see you Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.